Okay, boys and girls, this is Bobby Bliss from Overkill. That's right, we're on Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. I'm Lee Gerstman, and I was banned from this podcast, and I'm not too happy about it. So, fuck these guys. Go to hell. So, here they are. Dr. Fuck and Wadzilla. Enjoy. I know I will, even if they did ban me. Fucking assholes. Hey, you know who this is. It's me, Ian Wadley. And what? with me is... Oh, yeah, I'm Dr. Fuckalicious. That's right. You, you know what? I worship you. I love hugging your coattails. Oh, get in line. Right on. Yeah, I know. There's a lot of people back there. By the way, uh, I'm, I'm actually Dr. Fuck fooled you. Oh. Oh, you got me again. I Bring got the... you. I got you, too. You thought you were me for a second. I'm so. I'm that good. Oh, you're a regular Don Rickles. I was fooled all along. Frank, don't you know I'm with a girl here? <laughs> Do you know that story? Uh, I no. got I to gotta tell this story. You mentioned Don Rickles. And we okay. always get off comments. Right. Don Rickles was on a date a long, long time ago before he was married. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know this one, but tell it anyway. It's a funny story. I'll tell it anyway. It's a great story. And Frank Sinatra was over there having dinner. So Don Rickles goes up to Frank Sinatra and says, Hey, Frank, I'm with a date over there. Uh, it'd be cool if you come up and say hi uh, to impress her. And he said, Okay, I'll do it. So when Frank was done eating, he walks up to Don Rickles. He goes, Hey, Don, how you doing? And Don goes, hey, Frank, can't you see I'm with a girl here? (laughs) That's awesome. And you know what's funny? Frank Sinatra is the one that told that story. (laughs) Anyway, so uh, we're going to do something a little different this week. As you see, the title of this uh, is uh, Ian and I interviewed John Zazula, the legend from Megaforce Records. Yes. And I decided we got a lot of stuff to talk about, news and stuff, but... Man, let's just get into the interview now. Yes, and, and, and I, w- I would like to hear some feedback on this, because this is something uh, I, I proposed a long time ago. Like, should we do, you know, interviews and reviews first, and then news second? And right. Ralph said, get the fuck out of here, you yeah. know? Uh, but now Ralph has the idea, I'm not opposed to it, but I would like to hear your input as the listener... Do you feel the news should be first or the news should be second? Because there, there is a there is a portion. Uh, some people say they tune out after the news. You know, like if if it's an album they don't care about, they they tune out after which I think is a piss poor decision. But, I actually uh, remember one person wrote, "Oh my God, get to the review already." Just one though. Right? Yeah, yeah. Well, that was that prick from England who gave us like a one star review. Fuck him. Oh, okay, funny right. bastard. Right on. So I, I, I love the English. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, uh, you lo- you only like English people that, that are Jewish. Yeah. And that and that like Bon Jovi. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but other than uh, Stephen Kirsch, I can't stand him. Well, that's the only English guy that likes Bon Jovi. Oh yeah. Well, you get a point. Well, you know, you know. I, I'm very selective. You, you know, he likes Bon Jovi. Just what I said right there. He likes Bon Jovi. That kind of sounds like I think uh, Steven's a tranny. Yeah, well, well, 
he's, he's got the games for it, I'll tell you that. I'm calling him he because, you know, it's politically correct these days. Did you say heeb? He. Did that? Oh. No, I said he. Oh, okay. Okay. I was like, that's kind of racist. Yeah. <laughs> can't pick up that shiny bastard like that. Hey, now I think about it, calling Jews heeb, you might as well call me cube. <laughs> well, I don't think, that's not fair, man. Why aren't people calling us cubes? I, 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 I don't because it doesn't roll off the tongue like Spick does. I don't know. Hey, Johnny, we're not this racist in case you're listening. <laughs> I mean, I'm not. He is. You see him. Hey, uh, and who knows what the fuck Zazula is? What is that, Greek? I don't know. I have no idea. Zizula, Good guy, though. Zazula means awesome in, uh, yeah. in, in, in Guam. Oh, man. Man, what, what, what a great guy. What a great interview. Awesome interview. Let's get into it, man, and then we'll give our little rebuttals after it. Here we go. All right, we are honored to have Mr. John Zazula here on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. How you doing, John? All is good. I am very excited for your book, my friend. What inspired you uh, to say, you know what, I got to write a book? Well, I was bored to death being <laughs> retired. And about three days in, I said, I got to do something with myself. So I was talking to Marsha, and she said, how about uh, it's time for you to write that book, Johnny? Awesome. And uh, I said, it's a great idea, but I didn't know where to start. Mm -hmm. And then out of the blue, this fellow named Harold Claros Maldonado called me up for a Metallica interview, which I didn't want to do. But we were talking, and I asked him to send me some of his writing, and it turned out that he's a research guy for the Army. So I said, why don't you research my life? Can you do it? And we could write a book together. And the next thing you knew, he said yes, and we wrote the book. Um, so, so when is the release date of the book? The book comes out October the 29th. We're already starting to mail the copies of the people who wrote in to have autographed copies. Uh-huh. We'll start shipping theirs on the 22nd because we go to New York the 23rd for uh, two uh, sort of like uh, in-store events. Oh, okay. Um, so, John, uh, I, I know the whole story so far, how, you know, the rock and roll heaven... Uh, but before that, before you discovered all this, you know, new wave of British heavy metal and so on, before all that, were you like a, a really big rock fan uh, before that? Like, you know, your Deep Purple's Led Zeppelin uh, oh. back in the, like the 70s? I want to tell you, I never liked Deep Purple that much. Mm. However, I did like the song Hush. Right. You know, Smoke on the Water didn't really do it for me. That sounded like... Uh, going to kindergarten and writing a rock song. <laughs> but I was, uh, before I went into the heavy music, I was a big deadhead. And Whoa. before that, you know, I was listening to Blue Cheer and The Who, but The Cream were my first heavy experience. And uh, from Cream, I went to Led Zeppelin and the Jeff Beck group, and basically... It molded itself into Black Sabbath and took off from there. So you were ready, primed and ready for the new wave of British heavy metal scene once it came in. 
Oh, yeah. The time I heard that, it was just another form of great music that had pierced my eardrums. And, uh, and, and is that what, uh, what inspired you to, to open your record store? Well, a need for $70 a week to pay my grocery bills. That's <laughs> <laughs> the truth. Uh, uh, I opened up the record store hoping to make a few extra dollars so I could feed my family. In the book, when you read it, you'll see that I was having some very hard times. And I never planned to open up a metal mecca or the Holy Land for heavy metal records to be purchased in, in the United States. You know, all we wanted to do in the beginning was pay our bills so that we could eat and feed the children. Uh, now, John, I know, you know, when I was first getting into heavy metal as a young teenager, I was into more the hard rock uh, than the thrash. Thrash took me a while because it was so different. When you first heard Metallica, was that something you got right away, or did you just oh, know yeah. it was so different? No. Was... Remember, I was a big Motorhead fan already. Okay. You know, and I was already listening to stuff like Holocaust, and I was listening to Angel Witch and Raven, <coughs> and sort of the speedier metal was what I gravitated to. And when I heard Metallica... I mean, that hit me right in the balls. You know, that was it, man. Right. Oh, no, that's great. You get great foresight there. Good taste. <laughs> well, so, you know, ready to hear it. I was waiting for a band like Metallica to, to come on. So so when, when you first discovered uh, Metallica, when you first heard them, uh, was it your vision to sign them or just to have them come over to do some shows? It was to be part of their life. I just felt they were the greatest thing I ever heard. And somehow I wanted to attach myself to it. I had no idea what the role was. If at the very least they would get to do 12 shows for me. And that would be it. Because I had 12 shows for them when they came over. So when they came over, is that when... Uh... You had the idea to uh, to record uh, Kill 'Em All, or was that something you already had planned uh, beforehand? Well, there were no plans to make records or anything for a while. You know, we were discussing what was next as the band had completed their shows with me, and we're continuing to do more shows. We figured while we're here, let's do an album, and uh, I wanted to get them signed to a uh, record label but nobody knew what it was that I was playing them they thought I was out of my mind <laughs> it was hard appointment it was hard enough to make the appointment with these people but then when I got there they really took a shit on my head you know like what the fuck are you playing me fella get out of here oh <laughs> uh, so so yeah cuz you know it is odd how uh, they first were on Metal Massacre and they had alliance with uh, Brian Slagle, but uh, I guess they they really felt like uh, you would be the better way to go. Well, you know, I was talking album. I don't think Brian was talking anything going forward with them. And they saw that I had a real heavy control over the metal scene out of my 
my northeast location. I think they wanted to lock up horns with me because they felt that at least I knew what I was doing. I'm not saying that Slagle Brian is a very competent and I'm one of his biggest fans. But at the time, uh, he let Metallica get away. I would have never let that happen. Right, yeah. And uh, so, uh, after after all those shows, uh, was Metallica... Uh, I should know this because I'm very well versed on Megaforce, but was Metallica the first artist on Megaforce Records? Yes. The label was formed basically to put the Metallica record out. Nice. And, and from there, uh, it, it, since it was a success, you branched out to like a um, Raven, right? I, well, not oh, Raven, man. I'm sorry, Rods. No, what happened, you were correct. The first thing we did when we got Metallica going was we looked to fuel the fire so that when Metallica came out, there was already a record in the pipeline and we could learn how to do sales. So we put out a Venom single of Die Hard and Acid Queen B-side. Yes. And we only made a thousand of them. We put it out. It got sold out in five seconds. Hmm. And, and and that was never repressed? No. Oh, okay. When we so, say a thousand, it's a thousand. And oh, a question that I've always wanted to know, because I've heard this from somebody, is the only version of Kill 'Em All that has banged that head that cannot bang was uh, the Megaforce Records version? I don't know that. I didn't know it wasn't on the rest of them. Yeah, that's what I heard. I heard uh, once Electra got him, it stopped uh, being pressed in the back, that little quote. Wow. Wow. Look, I never knew that. Wow. You, you saw that, Ian? I just told Johnny something he didn't know. <laughs> yeah. Boy, you're a regular Eddie Trunk. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Richard Bird. She had it going there for a while. <laughs> uh, John, now, you know, after Metallica, you got, uh, you know, Anthrax and Overkill and uh, S.O.D. and all these great bands. Other than Metallica, who would you say, you know, are, are you most proud of? Uh, you know, of their success, of, of their longevity, of your well, relationship with them? Well, you have to realize I managed Anthrax for 11 years. So I continue to be proud of Anthrax. And I'm very happy to see where they are in their life. But the band that I'm closest to, believe it or not, is Testament. Nice. These years. And I'm very proud of where Chuck Billy has taken the band and where they've gone. And it's great to see Skolnick playing again today. And it's, it, I'm a big Testament fan. Let's leave it at that. Nice. Nice. Now, now how about, um, on the flip side, is there any band that uh, was on Megaforce that you thought would do better than they actually did? Well, we tried to break King's X in a very big way. Right. And really couldn't get King's X to where we wanted to get them. And that's one of my biggest disappointments. I thought I had a, a monster band in King's X. And, you know, they are a cult classic right now. But I felt they could have been a little bigger than we got them. How, how were King, King's X brought to your attention? How'd you discover them? It's in the book. Marsha got a tape from Maness Taylor. 
and she thought it was from a band we were working with down in Memphis from uh, Steve Taylor. But it actually was from a Sam Taylor out of Houston, Texas. So she listened to it by accident above all others. But she fell in love with it. And it took Marsha about two months to sell me on King's X. Uh, finally, they sent in a video that was him homemade that really knocked me out. And I asked Marsha to put a meeting together and let's go to Houston and see them. The rest is history. Yeah, and, and they are. They're a band that has a lot of respect, but unfortunately, you know, there's there's still kind of a cult act, you know. But uh, well, oh, they were too too good for too many. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're more of a musicians band. Like musicians seem to really love King's X. Absolutely, it's it's, it's almost like a rush kind of thing, but not as big. But now you you mentioned they were brought to your attention uh, through your wife Marsha, who's who's been by your side the whole time. Is Marsha going to be allowed to read this book, or is there some stuff in there she can't read? <laughs> She's read most of it already. Actually, she read it all because she wrote in the epilogue. It was very nice of her to say that this is really true. What happened? Book. Yeah. And she lived with me through every experience. So uh, she's mentioned throughout the book. Without Marsha, there'd be no Megaforce, that's for sure. Right. Now, uh, was that something that is, uh, I mean, w was that hard on your marriage? You know, do, like running the business together plus maintaining your marriage? Or did it make it easier because she was by your side? Well, we duked it out a few times. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll say this to you. Uh, we fought about the most crazy things, craziest of things. Uh, the one thing I've been talking about lately, and I'll, I'll just mention it again, is that we had a knockdown drag out fight over the keyboard on the song Armed and Dangerous by Anthrax. Either felt uh, yeah. that they were very good and added a new dimension, or I did. I don't even remember who wanted them. <laughs> didn't want them. But they ended up being there. Marsha must have won the fight. <laughs> uh, I, I believe that would be the EP version, right, John? Not the spread the disease version that has the keyboards. Yes. All right. Um, both, both do. I don't remember if they both do. I, I don't remember. I'm sorry. Yeah, because the, the, the EP version has like a longer intro right. where the spread the disease was just... Um, the, it just went right into the, like, the guitar part. And something very, very interesting, and one of my favorite songs of all time, you wrote Medusa. Oh, yeah. And uh, how, how did that, I mean, did you write the complete song, or did they, because uh, all I see is John Zazula. I don't see any collaborator with you there. No, no, the music was by the band. Okay. So the you wrote the lyrics. Fine, and the lyrics are by me. Well, it's an excellent song, and uh, and I'm glad they're finally playing it again because there was a while they stopped playing it. And to me, it's one of their staple songs. Cool. Yeah, I enjoyed that one. I enjoyed that one. I think it's the one with the most hooks. <laughs> now, is that a case? Did you write all the lyrics, or did you contribute? Like, did they have a song, but it's called Roberta? You're like, call it Medusa. <laughs> That's my lyrics. Don't nice. 
Nice. Great job. Well, your name is, uh, you know, I, I grew up one of those kids that always read the liner notes. So I always knew who you were from, you know, probably the first Megaforce album I bought would be, uh, you know, Among the Living, which was Megaforce and Island. Uh, but, uh, you, you know, you have a lot of credits as producer, executive producer. Uh, what album that that you're attached to as a producer do you feel uh, most proud of that you had a lot of involvement and some suggestions? Well, I'm pretty much involved to some degree in every album that has come out. I can't say I got involved any more or any less only because my memory doesn't serve me to. I just know that if I didn't like it, it didn't come out. One of the greatest stories in the book is about a band called Nude Swirl. Yes, I've heard of them. Great, great band that self-destructed. And what was I going to say? Nude Swirl produced an album that was supposed to be about 75,000, 80,000, but it was mixed so many times and I hated it so much that it cost me $96,000. Wow. And I went to the studio to hear it for the last time took the tapes and had them thrown into a garbage bin. <laughs> 90, right. 92 or $96,000 worth of taping an album. And then I went to my friend Eric Rachel, who had a studio in New Jersey called Tracks East, and he produced the album for fifteen dollars or $16,000. We did it again, and it came out great. I heard Metallica dug that out of the garbage and called it St. Anger. Right. John, tell me, how did Lone Ranger happen? Oh, man. <laughs> I own that, by the way. Oh, yeah. You're one of the unfortunate souls. <laughs> you know, I just put it on iTunes for the first time a month ago. In all these years, I just on iTunes. Now, the story behind Lone Ranger is definitely in the book, but it was about a dream I had to do a metal rap record and be the first one to really get one out of its genre real heavy. And I didn't want to do it. I woke up and said, I'm not going to do it. But I was in the studio in Ithaca with Carl Kennedy of the Rods, who produced uh, many albums for me. And Carl said, John, let's do it. I'll get the Rods to be your backup band. Now, all I had to do was hear the Rods are going to back me up. My ego said right away, let's do it. <laughs> so we came up with a music line. I gave it to Rod Feinstein to play, and the band played it. But it came time for the lyrics, and I really couldn't get it together. So I drank a bottle of Jack Daniels <laughs> and in a spinning stupor, I wrote those lyrics. Now, I want to say something to you. I think the lyrics are great. It tells the story of heavy metal from the very beginning to when it started to get signed by the major labels. It's a great, great story spanning 30 years of metal. <clears throat> but I never took it seriously. It was a bit of a me taking a piss on the world. 
So I didn't go crazy with it. But if you listen to it and just listen to the lyrics, not the ones on mine, because in Wikipedia, they got the wrong lyrics. I don't know whose lyrics those are. You'll <laughs> see a pretty cool song lyrically anyway. Well, John, um, I first heard that song on the syndicated radio show, The Metal Shop, uh, the only show with teeth. And um, when I when I heard it and I heard the line Venom and Fate, I was sold, you know, because at the time, uh, you know, being in South Florida, Venom and Fate was like our band, like nobody knew about them, uh, you know. And uh, I mean, to this day, uh, Merciful Fate and Black Sabbath are my favorite bands of all time. And you had a big role in the Melissa album. And uh, what happened that um, uh, after Melissa, you weren't involved with them anymore? Well, Melissa was the first time I ever licensed a record from Europe to put out in the States. The problem was I did such a good job, they didn't need me to put out the second one. They put it out themselves. <laughs> Who, who was that? Uh, Roadrunner or yes. Road Racer at the Road, time? Roadrunner. Well, I got to say that that app. Well, now in retrospect, I would have never thought, you know, that that Merciful Fate would be so huge as they are today. Because back then, with the big satanic overtones, the way the EP looked, I always thought this was a band that, you know, I would have never known. Because at the time, John, you would know this. I mean, it was very taboo to be so upfront, uh, saying Satan, Satan all the time. Where you know every band. But you know what? I never gave a shit. <laughs> right. No, and that, and I'm glad you didn't because you know I did discover Merciful Fate before the Melissa EP with the. Uh, I mean, yeah, before. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. After right. the EP, it would the nuns have no fun. Yes, that EP. I bought that first, then Melissa. I bought next. Uh, but I never thought, you know, that because it was so, I mean, I'm so glad you didn't give a shit. But at the time, I never thought it was going to go anywhere. I thought it was just going to be a, an underground thing. But now look what happened. And, and, and believe me, Melissa is a big springboard to what they are today. So just listen to the music. It's perfect. The music, that's a very well orchestrated record. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think there's been any band that can cram so many riffs in a song and make it blend so well. That's what I love so much about Merciful Fate. And uh and 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 to collate with another band that was signed with you, there's two bands out there that I think either you get the vocals or you don't. And I think Merciful Fate and another band that you signed after their first album was uh Violence. Uh Violence was another one. Uh, where Sean Killian, you either get it or you don't. And uh, so you yeah. got that as well, correct? I have to tell you something. I didn't get it as much as I got the band. Okay. So <laughs> I thought silence so, the band with better vocals would have went a lot further than with Sean. There ended up being some controversy with uh, oppressing the masses with the track um, Torture Tactics. Oh, yeah. I got to tell you, I went crazy over that whole violent situation. I really wanted the band to succeed on Megaforce, but I had a lot of trouble with Atlantic Records, and there was internal turmoil within the band at the time, and it was destined to crap out. So and but then you did release the Torture Tactics EP. 
Yes, I did. They sold okay. They never did big numbers. Right. But uh, so that Torture Tactics EP, I mean, what was exactly the problem? Atlantic Records was the ones that didn't want to release it? They felt it was too violent. For Fuck You by Overkill, I put it out on Caroline, our independent distributor. And I was really pushing Atlantic to put it out, and they were really getting mad. So I said, you know what, I'll put it out on Caroline as well. It wasn't worth destroying everything I worked so hard to build over over that issue. I I do believe in freedom of speech and the First Amendment. I put out many records to prove that I was right. I put out SOD. You know what I'm saying. Right. But I do have children. And I have to think, do I want my children even to listen to certain things? I think you're entitled. You just weren't entitled on, Meg- on Atlantic. So I put it out on Megaforce Caroline. Speaking of SOD, I mean, that was uh, just a little side project. But uh, what happened? You heard it and you said, I want to release this as well? Well, Marsha and I both heard it and fell in love with it. We thought that was the greatest music ever. One of my favorite bands on Megaforce will always be Stormtroopers and Death. You know? Yeah, it's it's a shame it didn't go as further because they only played a handful of shows back then, correct? Well, no, we remember something. The band, they were part of Anthrax and Anthrax wasn't going to die to SOD. Right. So you had to put a line in the sand, unfortunately. And uh, I... Didn't want to put the line in the sand, but the band did. Okay, so it was more their decision to uh, focus more on Anthrax, which is, you know, actually the smart thing to do because they were doing much better. I mean, Anthrax even came to Miami in 85, and that was unheard of for, I don't think there was any um, Megaforce acts that came to Miami that early. Oh, we lost a lot of money on that Southern tour. I was there. Oh, at the Miami show? Yeah, I think it was at the Playpen. Yes, you're correct. With uh, Hell Witch. Do you remember Hell Witch? Absolutely. Uh, I knew Art Stock very well from New Jersey, who owned the playpen. He Go gave ahead. me three shows down in Florida, and I played my way down through the South. It was a horrible tour, but we had a lot of fun. All right. Ian, you got any questions? I think I seem to be yeah. hogging this interview. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, speaking of SOD, uh, I mean, John, you're very much a beloved figure in the metal community, and a lot of people have nothing but nice to say about you. But two guys who've been kind of vocal uh, would be Billy Milano and Bobby Gustafson from Overkill. Uh, is that something, uh, is is the feeling mutual, or is this some one-sided thing? Do, do you feel it's something you mismanaged, or they blew out of proportion? It's very sad. I, I think Bobby's mad at me. Because I supported Overkill, continuing without him. Okay. And he never got over that. And they took, may have done certain things between him and the band. People always blame the head of the company because they think I have something to do with it. But I have nothing to do with bands' inner workings. And the same thing with Billy. He had a blowout with Anthrax, certain members, and I have to tell you, I'm in the middle of it. Right. Nothing to do about it. I mean, 
I think Billy's a brilliant performer. It's a shame that we don't get along, but you know, I understand where he's coming from. But I, are, these are both guys that you know. If if they wanted to be cool with you again, you would be more than willing, you know, to be oh, friends yeah. again. Great about Gustafson and and Billy Milano was one of my favorite people on earth. Yeah, well, that's a shame. Like, I I am very quick to forgive and to forget, and I wish other people were the same. I agree. I agree. Well, uh, another question. You've had, you know, so many legendary bands on your label. Were there any bands that you pursued to get on Megaforce that you lost out on or, you know, decided to go to another label, somebody that you really wanted bad? Not really. I'm asked that question a lot. Um, I turned down two bands for management that became very big because at the time I managed Anthrax and Ministry. And I was asked to look after Pantera and White Zombie at the time. And wow. I'll be honest with you, it's okay. Yeah. My knees and work, I couldn't have taken on any more anyway. Well, you just mentioned a band that had to be a handful in, uh, in ministry. Do you have uh, you know, some, uh, some crazy tales about that era of ministry? Because, man, there's a lot of shit going on there. I'm sure they've all been told. And... I leave Al Jorgensen to tell Al Jorgensen stories. I really don't find it tasteful to talk about Al's life. Were, did you enjoy working with him, or was it kind of a nightmare? It was wonderful beyond belief and horrible beyond belief. Uh, I, I, I can see that. <laughs> it was Al is, when you're on, when you're working with Al side by side, it's a great, great feeling. How about um, uh, somebody that's known to be very difficult? Uh, well, not difficult, but more lazy is uh, Ace Fraley. What, what was your relationship with Ace Fraley when he joined uh, Megaforce? Ace and I hit it off very well. We had a very, very good relationship for quite a while. Uh, I got very, very busy in the business. And Ed Trunk who worked as our vice president at the time, pretty much got together with Ace and, and worked on Ace on all his doings. So Ed was really Ace, really. I was more some of the other bands. But when Ace and I were together, it was wonderful. And, and was he hardworking when he, uh, like the Fraley's Comet era? Absolutely. It faded towards the end, but in, for a while it was really great guns, blazing. You, you mentioned uh, having Eddie Trunk on board. Uh, uh, how, how, how was he to work with, and, uh, and did he add another dynamic to Megaforce? Eddie was the commercial hard rock end of Megaforce. Right. Okay. He was the part of Megaforce that understood the radio and what might be played at radio and MTV and things like that. I was in my own zone of what I felt the world should do and trying to push the world that way. Eddie introduced me to an easier path. One, uh, one, one album, uh, John, that I felt was uh, criminally underrated and, and surprised it didn't do uh, as well as it should have was uh, Medal of Honor by T.T. Quick. I think that's an amazing album. Um, yeah. what, what, what's your thoughts on that one? 
No, it's a great, great album. It's it's uh, got some classic songs. It's produced by two great producers, uh, Eddie Kramer and Michael Wagner. And they unfortunately got caught in a regime change at Island Records that buried them. Because as we signed them to Island and put the record out, Island decides they didn't want to have that kind of metal. They wanted me to put out another thrash album by another thrash band, and they totally ignored them, and it really killed all of us. Yeah. Now, Megaforce is still around. Are you still involved in Megaforce in any capacity? I haven't been involved in Megaforce in many years now. Okay. So, uh, was that a thing where did did you sell the name, or do you do you get anything from it? Or that's really personal. But the person who runs Megaforce now runs Megaforce. I have nothing to do with it. Oh, okay. Uh, John, you mentioned before, like, you got bored for being retired and inspired you to write this book. I was always under the impression that you had something to do with Venom Inc. Uh, am I wrong? Well, Venom Inc. remained great friends of mine. Okay. And I advised them. I advised them out of friendship. I don't want to get involved with any, to be anybody's manager or anybody's anchor to depend on, you know, to dock their ship or life buoy to save themselves from drowning. I'm not into it anymore. I just want to basically chill out. Okay, because it, it was such a surprise to see you at the Miami show. And uh, I did go up to you, and you did remember me that night. You said, you're on my Facebook. And it, I was very happy to. I was a lot sharper then than I am right now, too. <laughs> oh, that was only a couple years ago, John. <laughs> happened in a few years. Well, uh, as far as the, the book coming out, are you doing any, uh, are you going to do like a book tour, like any signings or anything? Well, there is no quote-unquote tour, and I'm not going to do any. I basically put out the book to get my story out there so everybody knows it as it happened. I am going to do, however, a Q&A in New York on October 24th at the Cutting Room on 32nd Street in New York. I am going to do that, and that's going to be a great experience. I have the Elbridge Militia's two main guys, Joe, Metal Joe and Rockin' Ray, are going to be spinning some great metal classics. And the band Head Motor, who is a great tribute band to Motorhead, they even have a bomber. I hope they can fit it in there. Oh, wow. Uh, they're going to play for about a half hour, and then they'll do about a 40-minute Q&A with me. Very interesting evening. And then on Saturday, the 26th, at 2 o'clock, I'm going to do an in-store at Vintage Vinyl, a great record store in Fords, New Jersey, near Edison. And I'll do that from 2 to 6. That's it. Oh, it's in New Jersey? What exit? <laughs> uh, exit 11. Oh, <laughs> there you go. John knows. Hasn't <laughs> been that bad of a couple years there, John. You're still a little sharp there. If if, if this does good, are we going to get a book from Marsha, too, telling her side? That would be unbelievable, actually. I would love to read that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I would love to read your book because it's uh, – correct me if I'm wrong, since obviously I haven't read it yet – this is not some dirt book, some Motley Crue type stuff, because 
I feel what you dealt with, other than ministry, I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, every other band was pretty much uh, on the up and up. It wasn't one of those sex, drug, rock and roll type things. Oh, this uh, is a sex, no. drug, and roll book. Yeah, I, I figured that. And uh, I just want to say that Megaforce Records really was a soundtrack to my youth that if just to see Megaforce on a record, I knew uh, that it's good it's going to be quality stuff and uh and that's why i took a chance on on uh tt quick you know i saw the album i said this looks kind of interesting then i saw megaforce on it okay i'm buying it you know it's a great album it's just not thrash yeah and and that and you specialize in thrash uh and one uh, one that it's a compilation you put out that i play a little too much i just wanted to bring this in how much i love deeper into the vault Cool. Because it had like a MOD song that wasn't released. There was several songs on there that wasn't on their official albums. Right. And, and I just I just love the hell out of that. And a lot of those songs, I question why they weren't because they're really good songs. And uh, and and uh, just like about a year ago, uh, I got to hang out the an honor to hang out with Carl Kennedy because uh, he was down here in Miami recording with his new band and. Man, what what a great, great, great soul that guy is, and uh, wonderful. And 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 uh, so you he did he approach you saying, "Hey, look, I know how to produce albums," or did you already know? I um, don't. I don't even remember. All I know is it's a blessing that we got together. And he did some great, great stuff as well as Wacko. Wonderful. Well, John, uh, Ian, do you have any last things to say to uh, John before we let him go? Well, I would just like to say uh, it's an honor to have you on the show, and thank you so much for giving us your time. Uh, I'm very excited to get your book, and uh, maybe sometime in the future, uh, we would love to have you back on, maybe, because what we do here, we do a lot of album reviews, and, and maybe have you back on for a, uh, a Megaforce album we talk about where we do a track-by-track. Track. Uh, would love to hear your input and, and stories on, on any of those albums and and just thank you for getting all the metal you got out, because uh, uh, I mean you we wouldn't have a lot of these great bands or wouldn't have access to these albums if it wasn't for you. So thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you for buying them, and thanks for having me on the show. And both of you take good care of yourself, Ralph. I'll remember you next time I see you down in Miami. I would love to uh, go out uh, with dinner with you, and it'll be on me, John. Even though uh, uh, you're a much more richer man than me. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. Maybe spiritual wise, I don't know. You got to watch out for that. Yeah, <laughs> keep him away from Marshall. Try to steal her. No, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 you were there. You were there with Marsha at, at Venom Inc. You you both yeah. were there. Marsha doesn't. Marsha and I are usually not too far from each other. Well, that's great to know. How many years now you've been married, uh, John? Forty. Wow! Congratulations on that. And again, I can't, I can't thank you enough for your time. And I wish you a lot of success on the book. And I am going to write uh, the person I've been writing on to, see, to get a link to, to, to an autographed copy because I'm going to order one today. All right. That's wonderful. JohnZazula.com. All right. Great. Oh, there you go. All right, John. Thank you so much, man. Thank you. All right. Peace, All right. Out. Peace out, my friend. Bye-bye. Right. Bye. All right, there it is, the interview with John Zazula. Boy, that was great, wasn't it, Ian? Yes, groundbreaking. Awesome. 
say. Hey, it was it, it was cool how I told him about that Metallica album. He had no idea. Kill them all. Said uh, bang that head that uh, shouldn't bang was uh, taken off uh, after the Megaforce uh, issue. That's right, and he had no idea that that Saint Anger was stolen out of the garbage can either. So that's right. That went over his head. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You saved that one quick. <laughs> He's a great guy, except for his Sean Killian uh, comment. Oh my God! What? Oh, an I agreed with him a thousand percent. Finally, oh, somebody agrees kid. with me. But yeah. but you'll you'll hear that more because that is an album we're going to be reviewing here in the future. So oh, we'll hear that wait. again. Can't yeah. wait to lather the ass on that and just like tune you out. Yeah, okay. I hope as, it's not a vodka usual. episode. Because the vodka episodes, you just repeat the same fucking thing over and over again. It's a bitch to edit, dude. Yeah, chances are. Yeah, that, that three-hour uh, review of Molly Hatchet turned out to be an hour and a half. Oh, yeah. Well, that was a shitty up. Well, both of them were shitty, but anyway. Uh, we got no iTunes reviews to talk about, goddammit. That's a goddamn shame. Well, I got an iTunes review for Vieira Vault. Oh, okay, alright. We'll read that. No, man, it's the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast, bitch. Oh, yeah, we can't sully this good show with that. That's right, uh, man. Don't stain the fucking great podcast with my shitty little <laughs> fucking podcast. My dog and pony podcast. The Vieira Vault. You know, I'm thinking of renaming it to the, the Cube Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> alright, well, we got some fucking sad news, man. Uh... Frankie Benali, dude. Uh, this sucks, man. Stage four, uh, fucking pancreatic cancer. Yeah. That's uh, oof, oof, man. And did you see the pictures? He uh, looks. Yeah, with the cap. I, I don't. I don't know, dude. I mean, is that recent? Because he'd been through chemo. Shouldn't he not have hair? Uh, well, I, it could be a fucking you know a beetle wig so down there. I don't know, you know. Right, but uh, but I mean, he just looks so gaunt, uh, you know, and and, and it sucks, man. As easy as it is to goof on current Quiet Riot, Frank Benali's a hell of a fucking drummer, you know. His his place in in metal is is, is set in stone. There's no taking away what this guy's contributed, you know, through, you know, various projects. Not even you know Quiet Riot, but you know with Wasp and. You know, Hughes Thrall and all kinds of other shit he played on that most people probably don't know. Uh, but he's basically been handed a death sentence. And, uh, man, that, that that's unfortunate, man. Really unfortunate. Uh, you know, I, I, I thought the new Quiet Riot songs I heard were horrible, but this news is worse than that. And, uh, you know, and then just to get this out here, because I, I know uh, we came back with a fury... But we kind of slowed down. Uh, you know, might as well get this out there and get over with. My mother is uh, is suffering from damn near the same thing. And, whoa, whoa, pancreatic? No, not pancreatic, but uh, it's like stage four bad cancer. Uh, so, I, you know, we've kind of slowed down a little bit. We're going to get back into it. Uh, you know, I took some time that I needed. I went back home, spent some time with my mother. And, uh, you know, but, uh, that's why I've been kind of absent and, uh, I, I just want to put this out there and I, I know it's going to be one of those things where like people are going to start sending me like a bunch of fucking shit on Facebook. Please don't, 
please don't. And I mean this just, in the nicest just send positive. Just send positive vibes. That's all you want. Yeah, if you if you if you want to do that, I mean that that's great. And I don't mean to sound like a dick, but uh, I got enough shit to deal with besides you know like getting a thousand instant messages and having to rehash the shit that I got to live every day. So uh, you know we're gonna try to keep the show going. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the show will keep going, but we're going to try to get back to a regular schedule. But, uh, you know, I've been absent from Facebook lately. Uh, I've It hasn't been officially announced yet, I, but I've stepped down from my radio show. Uh, you know, i got a lot of shit going on, but just respect what I'm going through. And, you, you know, if, if you're one of those prayer motherfuckers, you can pray and everything. But please don't send me a bunch of messages because... Really, the last thing I want to talk about is this shit. Right. But uh, but it was something that was, you know, when you see this news about Frankie Vinali, it was like a like a bam bam. You know, not only in my personal life, but you know what we talk about here with music and everything. It's it, it's so sad to see this happen to Frankie, who both of us both of us have met Frankie, and he is an incredible human being, uh, really nice guy, incredible drummer. And if you saw those behind the musics, uh, you know, he did everything above and beyond uh, to take care of his mother when she was dying of cancer. And, and it's a very, you know, loving but very sad story. But, uh, man, I really feel bad that, like, now this is happening to him. Uh, but all I can say to people out there, uh, go to the doctor, man. Don't be like Dio where you don't go to the doctor. If you have this history in your family or even if you don't, Go and get checked out because early detection, you know, is the best you can fucking do. There's uh, somebody on Facebook that told me they survived stage two pancreatic cancer. Right. And I never, I, I didn't, look, <clears throat> I knew somebody that passed away in her early 20s from pancreatic cancer. And it was terrible. And uh, what was even more terrible about it was I had a bad falling out with her before she was diagnosed so right. you know i mean on her last day she didn't like me much and that's a bad thing to carry up you know i'm not going to speak ill of the dead but it wasn't my fault but still she was upset with me and over something she did so i told her off and uh but i felt bad about it and um her final days were planning her own funeral i mean you know how fucking yeah. crazy that is oh no it's so, so I I I, uh, I donated because the family was dead broke to afford the funeral, right. but I did it anonymous, you know, just in case, you know. Yeah. But um, <clears throat> but just to get off this, another sad passing for me. I'm not sure if you you're aware of him. His name is Peter Hobbs. You know, yes, from Hobbs Angel of Death. Yeah, yeah. man, and I played a yeah. show with him. That guy couldn't have been like he was. You know, he reminded me of Bon Scott. He was like a, the real deal type dude. He was just an awesome guy. He, he really treated us good and even said complimentary stuff about uh, our set. And what a hell of a performer. And uh, yeah, <clears throat> I, I put up a picture of him and me yesterday from that gig. And uh, also, though, I'm sure you don't know this person. Uh, he's a, a fan of Thrasher Die called John Castillo. He would always come to all of our shows. He was a major fan of my band, and he passed away. I don't know what he passed away from. I will say he was, you know, not, you know, he was pretty obese. 
So I'm yeah. thinking maybe that had something to do with it. But that guy was always smiles, always so supportive, always up front, uh, always going crazy, knew the lyrics, and uh, yeah, it was pretty fucked up when I woke up to that news. I was like, oh, not John, you know? Such a nice guy. And the same thing goes with Frankie. It's like, and you know, and also, you know, fucking Peter Hobbs. It's like, God, you're such great people, and Sammy Hagar still walking the earth. Yeah, you know, it's like, and I know it's been a long time since we've done news, but I mean, we lost, uh, 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 goddamn, no, I can't think of his fucking name from Cream. Ginger, ginger, ginger Baker. Baker yeah. G- ginger Baker. Uh, we just lost a, a great actor, Robert Foster, Forster from, uh, from brain cancer, you know, and cancer's a motherfucker. And again, I, I'm no believer in, in spiritual shit or the afterlife or all that shit. But if, you know, if you are one of those praying motherfuckers or whatever, you know, keep people like Frankie Benelli, my mother. You know, all these people keep keep them in your and, thoughts or whatever. If and my if friend, my, my friend Rhonda, yes. who also has pancreatic cancer, and she's really in bad. I mean, she's. Uh, you know what, man? I hate to say this, but you know, for her, I got to say, I hope it's near the end because the last uh, text she sent me was, um, uh, "I'm ready. I oh, can't yeah. take this pain no more." So, well, I mean. And- and, and also, what a financial strain it is on people too. Yeah, uh, like and I, I want to thank I want to thank uh, the the good people on YouTube who I did a video for Rhonda and they ra- I raised over three thousand dollars for her. That, that's Thanks incredible. for all the people on the YouTube channel. That, that that's incredible, you know, because I I know this, you know, with with my mother, you know, my mother had what you would consider a good job, uh, but what insurance covers these days when you have something like that? I mean, it's really you know, it, it, it's just mind-boggling. And, uh, you know, it's some fucked-up shit. So keep these people in your thoughts or prayers or whatever you people do. But uh, very sad, uh, very sad news about uh, Frankie Benally, man. And uh, uh, best of luck to him, man. Right that, on. That's a rough one. And that actor, was it? that's the guy from uh, Jackie Brown, right? Yes. Yes. You, you know what's wild is that he died on the day they premiered the Breaking Bad movie. Yes, Al Camino. And he's in it. Yes, well, very good movie. Uh, no spoilers here. Oh, uh, no. No spoilers at all. I've seen complaints, but you know what? Who's not going to complain when something gets blowing reviews? Oh, I I, I, I can't see how anybody can complain. But here, here's another thing I want to throw out. And, and I, I've seen... Uh, you know, one of our good friends posted something the other day. Uh, Baco posted something about uh, the new uh, Terminator movie. Shut the fuck up already. Not everybody sees shit the first day it comes out. Oh, he, it's already out? Yeah, I believe... I he, believe he, it, gave, he gave spoilers? Or, or he said something, but I'm, I'm just looking at the beginning of the post and I'm just like, shut the fuck up. Already, let people, you know, because I, I'm a guy who hates fucking spoilers. I love the oh, magic of not knowing what's happening. But you know, of course, we got the new Star Wars coming out. But for any movie, you know, the the Joker and all this shit, shut the fuck up already. Okay, it's one thing if you say I liked it or I didn't like it, but you know, don't give the fucking ending. Don't give all this other <laughs> fucking shit. Just shut the fuck up already. I, the, saw, the, I saw the Joker. I didn't I, like. Yeah, I, I I know, but I liked what, what you said. I mean, and I haven't seen either, but you just said, eh. Yeah. That's that's one thing. 
but you know, like you know, like I, I never forget when uh, you went and saw Force Awakens. And uh, spoiler oh, yeah. alert here, kids: if you haven't seen Force Awakens, Han Solo dies. But uh, really, you know, you know, you you said you walked out of the theater, and good thing you had your phone off because the first thing when you went on Facebook was some fucking prick saying, oh, Han Solo's dead. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. You forgot. And, 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 and it was all this asshole wrote on the post. Yeah. Shot, uh, Han Solo yeah. dies. Yeah. I'm like, shut the fuck up, all right. You know, because sometimes I can make it to a show the first day. A lot of times I fucking don't. But I don't need your fucking dumbass telling me, like, major plot points and all this shit. You can say, eh, I thought it was good. Go see it. Or, eh, I thought it sucked. Don't see it. But shut the fuck up already about details. Baco, I still like you. No, I still like Baco too. <laughs> I still like Baco too, but I but I saw a little something about the Terminator thing, and I don't know. Maybe it didn't come out. I I, I don't know, but I just saw what he kind of wrote. I'm like, I don't need to know any of this shit. I don't need to know any fucking plot points till I see the fucking movie. And and I'm not aiming all this at Baco. And I could totally be misreading what he said about the Terminator thing, but it just gets me going. <laughs> about, <you laughs> he know, didn't even. <laughs> he probably people, didn't even spoil anything. Yeah, it probably hasn't even come out yet. He it's just probably made a, a com- it's still a good rant though. He, he probably made a comment about the trailer, but I was just like, I, I don't need to know any of this fucking he shit. Pro- yet, he probably bro. made a comment about how he hates people that spoil stuff. <laughs> but, but but because like of what's going on in my life, like I'm not gonna see Terminator the first fucking day. But I love Terminator movies, you know, and I don't need to hear well, somebody fucking break it down. Can I, well, can I talk about the trailer without even spoiling what the trailer's about? Sure. Uh, real quick, no, it's not. I'm not even going to talk about the trailer. I will just say the first trailer I saw many months ago sucked really bad. Oh, for now, Terminator? Yeah, now the newer trailer showed much more action, but it still kind of left me like, I don't know about this. So I don't think the people that are making these trailers are doing a good job. Yeah, I, I, I mean, you know, basically, uh, you know, I know everybody loves to suck the dick of Terminator 2. But I'm like, oh no, Terminator One all the way, dude. Oh fuck yeah, dude. all I don't, the way. I don't, I don't, I don't want nice Terminator, and I don't want a fucking kid in the movie. I hate fucking kids in movies. I hate kids in movies unless they fucking die. Well, you I, know? I, I enjoyed the movie, but dude, Part One blows it away. Oh yeah, by far, by far. I want not only e- not only not only because Arnold's the bad guy. It was just a dirtier. Gritty yeah. film. Yeah. No? You, you, you put in the kids and fucking puppy dogs and fucking, you know, daisies and shit like that. And no, Terminator, don't die. No, no, fuck that. You know, you, you, it's pussy. I don't give a fuck about the special effects and all that shit. It's all about the story. I want a gritty, fucking dirty story. And that's what I loved about fucking, uh, what was that, uh, the Grindhouse movie, uh, Planet Terror. Where the kid fucking, you know, plays with a gun and blows his fucking head off. I love that shit. Because normally when you have a kid in a fucking movie, it just pussifies everything. Because nothing can happen to the little children, you know. Fuck that. I want to see the kids go to Michael Jackson's house and stay the night, you know. I want danger. Fucking shit. But yeah, yeah. spoilers, fuck you. Yeah, that's why I don't like the Goonies, stupid kids. Oh, I, I like the Goonies, but you never know. One of those could have gotten fucked by that retard. You never know. Well, if the, I would have liked it more than. Well, not one. I would have fucked them all. Uh, and I'm sure when he fucked Corey Feldman, it'd be more believable because that guy, that guy knows how to get, uh, you know, that no, guy yeah. knows the feeling of being fucked by older people. Yeah, 
you know what would have been real acting is if Corey Feldman acted like, no, don't. Um, oh, yeah, no, that, that, yeah, that would have looked bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then he would have been fucking, you know, De Niro. That would have been know. like, uh, uh, that would have been the same, uh, uh, you know, amount of the great acting of uh, Vince Neal's wife in the dirt. Yeah. Uh, she got cancer. Uh, uh, that scene has to be like, dude, really? You couldn't, what was this, one take? You know, the cancer, when, when she tells Vince Neal the cancer part, I was watching that going, dude, I haven't even seen bad acting this bad in B-movies, you know? <laughs> what was that guy that did all those uh, Planet Nine and shit? Uh, Ed Wood. Dude, Ed Wood, Ed Wood would even fucking scrap that scene going, hey, hey, let's redo that shit. I don't care how much it costs. I ain't letting that crap in my movie. She got cancer. All right, well, while we're talking about death and douchebags and all this shit, uh... Another fucked up thing that's happened since we've done news is, uh, what the fuck's going on with Eddie Van Halen? Oh, man, I got some late-breaking Eddie Van Halen thing to tell you right now. That, uh, that will be viral very soon. It has nothing to do with his health. Oh, okay. Oh, get ready for this shit, Ian. Okay. Eddie Van Halen last night went to go see Tool. Yes, I, I did see that story. And a guy goes up to Eddie Van Halen and says, hey, um... Excuse me, sir. Can you take a picture of me with the tool uh, stage behind me? And he said, "Fine." There's a picture of Eddie Van Halen taking a picture of a guy with the with the tool stage behind him, and Wolfgang put it up saying, "This guy didn't know even know who my dad was." I think Ouch. this is my favorite part of the show. Like he loved the fact that this guy didn't even. But here, there's a picture of Eddie taking a picture of this guy. Like you know, doing the peace sign with the tools. <laughs> Can you imagine Eddie? Like, all right, oh, goddamn. I'm sure Eddie was probably like, cool, this guy don't know who I am. Right, you know? right, he'll, he'll leave me alone. Yeah, yeah exactly. But And, and it's wild, because Eddie has seats, like, on the right side, and it, to me it kind of looks like 20th row on the right side of the stage. You know, it's like, why is he there? He's Eddie Van Halen. should be seeing this shit in front of the stage. You know, it, it's much better than, you know, if I was there, because I'd be like, you know, will you go on record and state that Sammy Hagar causes cancer? Yeah. Because <laughs> that's my belief. Fuck that metal pick shit. I don't buy that for a, a second. Sammy Hagar causes cancer. Well, you know, doctors came out and they they, they, they refuted what Eddie said. Yeah. There's a few doctors that said, no, it's impossible for him to get cancer that way. Yeah, they, they said it wasn't a metal pick. It was a soft rock prick. That gave yeah. you cancer. It was actually no. It was a it was a Sammy Hagar plastic pick. Oh. Uh, you know, Sammy uh, flipped it to the audience, and ricochet went in Eddie's mouth, and that's why. It's, and it was red, of course. You know, but uh, you know, regard whatever is going on with Eddie. I mean, that's just you know, it's terrible news. You know, and he beat it once before, but you know, he's older now, and he and it seems like he's battling something. I mean, there's something rotten in fucking Denmark, or you know, there would there would be some kind of official thing. And, well, uh, here's the thing, Ian. I don't know if you're aware of this either. He's been fighting this since 2013. He's been going back and forth with this shit. So he's they've been they've right. been scraping his throat for six, seven years now. now. So he's been very quiet about it. But I think it's gotten really bad now to the point where, hey, you know, they were going to reunite with Michael last year. Right, and then that got put in shitter, and and I think too that may, may may contribute a lot to why they don't do interviews and stuff. Right, and and there is one thing though I gotta say, uh, 
that I found very disheartening because, you know, as everybody knows, I, I don't believe in God, but I believe in David Lee Roth. He's my Lord and Savior. Uh, but I heard there was an interview where he complained about having to wait on the fucking guitar player. Well, now, well, I remember that in '84, not now. No, well, this was this supposed from what I heard, and, and I'm I'm just saying this with, you know, heard it in passing, so I don't know if it's the fucking gospel or not. But if uh, you know, but supposedly it was something Dave said in a recent interview because he's been doing all this shit about the Vegas thing. If he if he did say that, and this is what's going on with Dave, I mean with Eddie, uh, I'd be very disappointed. In well, they, I, I will make you feel happy then, Ian. Okay. Here here's the truth of David Lee Roth and Van Halen. They don't talk. On an interview not too long ago, they asked Dave about Eddie's health. This is before right. this whole cancer thing came out, like a week or two ago. And, and Dave said, I know as much as you do, which means he's not in touch with these guys. So by him saying, I'm waiting for the fucking guitar player, I'm sure he wouldn't say that now that he knows. You know what I'm saying? Right, but I, I, I think Dave... No, uh, there's no way that Dave doesn't know more than what he's letting on. I mean, uh, he, maybe you're right. Maybe you know. You're right. You know. You know he, here, here's the simple thing with Dave. Everybody knows how Dave is, and Dave's fucking mouth. Look how Dave's been since he's been back in Van Halen. Very quiet. That, that motherfucker has a gag order like a son of a bitch. If he didn't, he would say more. That album with John Five would have came out instantaneously. There would have been the tour with the fucking. Uh, the Eat Him and Smile band. There would have been all this shit. Dude, you know, I, I, I love Dave, but he's not without his faults. You know, Dave is under some kind of contract. Dave's not fully back in Van Halen. He's a hired gun, but Dave's ego will not let him be former Van Halen singer again. He's going to do whatever he has to do to be the singer of Van Halen and that's how he wants to go out and uh, but but if he did know that Eddie's sick and he and, and and that slipped out that like waiting on the fucking guitar player and the guy's you know dealing with fucking cancer that kind of you know breaks my heart a little bit but well, know, that's you... speculation Ian we can't prove that for sure yeah yeah like, like I said you know it, it's speculation so uh, but Man, I you know I, I wish Eddie nothing but the best, uh, you know, unless you know, unless like in his last days he tries to get back together with Sammy Hagar, uh, then I wish him a speedy death. Uh, but as long as he stays with Dave, as long as he stay, I'm sorry, I, I have love, but it's conditional love. It's conditional love. Oh, thank um, God that won't happen. Thank God you ain't gonna have to wish him a speedy death. Uh, Want to bet a okay. hundred bucks in? Want to bet a hundred bucks that I'm right? Fuck no. I ain't got no money bet. <laughs> but, you, know, uh, I, you know I get rich with Sammy Hagar bets. Oh, yeah, and I'm glad you have. Uh, but, man, I really, you know, I, I want to see Eddie get better. I want to see one last tour with the originals. Uh, you know, well, for me, it'd be my first. I've never seen the originals, you know. but You'll never see them even if they reunite, uh, Ian. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, I know, I know it'll never be the same, but I, you know, I don't, I don't give a fuck, you know. I, I I've seen him with, with Dave a couple times, you know. You're one gonna night see, was... you're, you're gonna see a great band. Yeah, but, Dave, but I, I mean, just... I, mean I, I saw him one night. Dave was on, 
one night Dave was off, I'll still take Dave off over Sammy Hagar on. But okay. Getting, oh no, that I agree with. But man, it's getting so bad now. You know, yeah. it's like God, ah, stop. You know, he's the one that should. You know, listen to him. It's amazing he doesn't have throat cancer. Well, I mean, I I, I know you're you're very negative about uh, this recent uh, thing. Yeah. The, the, this Vegas thing. And I'm going to save reservations uh, for for actual footage. I will say, you know, I saw the, you know, the video, and uh, Dave needs to stop dancing like a fucking retard. Yep, uh, I agree. You know, you know and, it, it, and Jesus with the smiling already. You know, you know, you, you know to, to to me, that's what turned off that whole like you know commercial or whatever you want to call it for the Vegas show. He looked like a fucking retard dancing like that, and he and, looks creepy man that smile makes him look like extra creepy like man i gotta cover my butthole when i see that yeah you know but i'll I'll save it to see you know i i want to hear the vocals what are the vocals like what are the musicians behind it like i'm gonna save reservations for quality footage not some uh uh dickhead on his fucking you know phone recording i want to hear some decent like okay and then i'll save judgment and if it sounds like shit i'll admit it sounds like shit because I admit when Dave fucks up, Dave is not flawless. But I'll, I'll, I'll take Dave fucking croaking over Sammy Hagar on his best night. But uh, there, there is a uh, Japanese singles release. Have you seen this thing? This, uh, this vinyl thing? Pointless. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, kind of cool packaging, but uh, yeah, I'm, like, I'm like, eh. If I ever got a copy of that, I would never unseal it. That's how pointless it is. Oh. Uh. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, uh, let's see. What else is uh, new? I oh. saw a couple shows, Ian. I would like to talk about. Uh, oh, you saw a couple shows. All right. All right. Talk about it. Uh, first was Warbringer and Forcer. Holy crap, was that a good show. Um, my drummer is now playing with Enforcer. And I'll never forget, like three years ago, he told me, my favorite band is Enforcer. Which like, which drummer now is is this uh, Brian, Brian Wilson? Brian Wilson, yeah, he's drumming with them now. Um, he um, wasn't going to do the the drummer of Enforcers from Sweden, and the drummer was having visa problems, so they hit up Brian Wilson because you know Brian's you know a fanboy, and they knew Brian is the drummer of Day Malmsteen, so they figured this guy's gonna be good, so they um, asked him. And he said, yeah. But then he had to cancel on them because Ingve booked the tour. But then Ingve canceled the tour. So luckily they they still took him up. And oh my they even gave him a drum solo. And this band is so good. They are so it's a total old school metal. Uh they're just amazing live. And Warbringer too. Warbringer I've seen before. Great thrash band. So those were great shows. I even got to tell the singer of Enforcer. You know, hey, you know, that's my drummer. And he told me three years ago, that was your favorite band, you know. He's a very nice guy. You know how most bands, including me, by the way, I do the same thing. When they finish a set, they like to go back and, you know, cool off a little bit. I like to do that before talking to anybody. This band got off stage and just started mingling. It was wild. It was like, wow, these guys, they're all sweaty messes. Hot-ass Florida day. You know, and, and there they are, like, signing autographs and taking pictures and as nice as you could be. Now, the next yeah. show I saw was this last Saturday, and it was awesome. 
I got to see an unplugged of Jeff Scott Soto and uh, Jason Beeler. Jason Beeler at the at a place I'd never been before called the Funky Biscuit. Now the Funky Biscuit is a nice little kind of ritzy bar type place where it's all tables. And my buddy Dave Scott got me up. We were smack in the fucking middle front table, you know, the whole night. And it was great. And then there was a part where Jason Beeler asked, does anybody here have a kazoo? And I guess somebody's hip to this shit because some guy stepped up with a bag full of kazoos. And then Jason Beeler goes, hey, everybody get up here. So I did. And everybody's like, you know, behind them. I fucking got up on the drum riser because they had no drummer. So I'm like above everybody. And I played the kazoo with Jason Beeler. I met Jeff Scott Soto afterwards. What a nice guy. What a gr- tall motherfucker. Very tall. And um, and Jason Beeler, like, he, he walked by. I go, hey, Jay. He goes, hey, man. I go, you remember me? He goes, yeah, Nashville. So you remember the interview I did with him? Yeah, what was that, two months ago, maybe? Yeah, two, three months ago. It was phenomenal. They were really good. Jason Beeler was hilarious, dude, because through the night, they kept giving him these large-ass glasses of beer, and he had about six of them before it was done. And he kept making joke after joke and all this crazy banter he would do. And um, what do you call it? So, <clears throat> yeah, there were, I'll tell you a couple funny things. I can't remember verbatim what it was, but, you know, they did drive by the cars, you know, as a tribute to Rick Ocasek. And then, then when they were done, Jason goes, hey, you know, I have Paulino Porskova on my, on my Twitter. And everybody's like, ooh. And then he's like, yeah, she blocked me. And then fucking uh, Jeff Scott Soto goes, hey, that's funny. Ingve did the same thing to me. And then there was another thing. Jason tried out for some band or something. Didn't make it. And Jeff Scott Soto said, hey, that reminds me of when I was in Journey. I mean, they were really like making those little jokes and shit. It was just great. It was a fun atmosphere. It was just a blast. So uh, I saw two amazing shows since our, our last show. Awesome. All right, well, uh, a show I'm excited to see, but I, I don't even know if this shit's going to fucking tour, is uh, is a new uh, so-called supergroup. And, and normally these supergroups do nothing for me uh, when I actually listen to the record. I'm like, eh. But there's this new one with Phil Demo from, you know, Your Beloved Violence. Yeah. And, Machi- and Machine Head. Boom. Bo- Bobby Blitz. From fucking overkill, uh, and, and the guy everybody loves to hate, uh, Mike Portnoy, and then some guy I never heard of on bass, but I guess he plays with like the Metal Allegiance that tours, you know, Bobby like Doll. Yeah, no, it's uh, what's his name? Uh, fucking Mark Mark Mengi. Mark Alden Taylor. Yes, Mark Alden Taylor. But uh, this is something I think could be. Incredible, you know, because Portnoy, Portnoy can fucking slam as long as there's no keyboard player involved. You know, Blitz is fucking Blitz. Demo can play guitar like a motherfucker. I don't know about this Mengi motherfucker on bass, but, uh, ooh, this could be good. I'm excited about this shit. That guy that plays bass is freaking awesome. No, freaking frack. Freaking freaking awesome. But, uh, I don't even know if this thing has a name yet, but, uh... But I, you know, I'm sold. I'm, I'm sold because... Uh... Uh, yes, they, they are called... Uh, right. The name of the band is Kansas City Hot Plate. 
Ah, Kansas City Hot Plate. You know, yeah. I don't know what that is. I, li- I like that. I like that title. I don't know what it means, but I like it. All right. Well, here's, Go check here's... out the Dream Police episode, and you'll know what Kansas City Hot Plate means. That's right. Our review. Uh, here, here's a band always changing members, and now they have a new guy fronting them. Uh, apparently, uh, Andrew Freeman, who is the singer for Last in Line, is the new singer for Lynch Mob. That guy can sing his ass off. Yeah? yeah. Oh, my God. He's you, you know what? I, I, I've got those two last line albums. I still haven't fucking listened to them yet. Oh, the second one's terrible. Second one's terrible? Ooh. Okay. One good song. Oh, uh, okay. Very but, disappointed. I was very... You know what I blame it on? The absence of Jimmy Bain. Because Jimmy uh, Bain had a lot to do with the writing of the first one. First one's awesome. But this uh, one, it's just lacking. You got I'll the go, guy from Ultimate Sin, man. I'll go back and check it out. Uh, but yeah, Lynch Mob, holy shit. They, they got singers like fucking... Uh, I don't like Spinal Tap as drummers. So. 2020, uh, I'll be fronting them. Oh, now, now that I'll go see. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, here's something we can condense... Because uh, it gets brought up in every news segment. But there's always, in this day and age, all kinds of different Judas Priest shit. But uh, Rob Halford promises some really big surprises for the 50th anniversary tour next year. And uh, in this article, uh, it seems like he's alluding much more to uh, a set list and, and a stage production than anything else. Uh, more so than, like, you know who's going to be playing or special guests like that. Um, at this point, I don't give a fuck. You know, the, the, the incarnation of Judas Priest we saw, you know, in, in Miami blew my fucking mind. So I was, whatever. You give me that lineup and any set list, any any stage production, uh, I, I'm signed up for. And you honestly, know. who would bullshit in here? This tour should be called Ian Hill's 50th anniversary in Judas Priest. Come right. on, give me a break. What was the first right. album? 76? Uh, se- oh, no, 74, I think. Yeah. Rock and Roll 74. Look at that. But, um, you know, I mean, I mean, it is what it is. You know, you know, it, it, it's a way to sell tickets. You call it this, you get, you get excitement. Uh, would I love to see KK back? Yes, as much as anybody. But with, with the lineup that we saw, they can play the entire catalog. I'm more about give me give me a good set list. I mean, a, a nice stage production would be nice, but let's let, let's be realistic. You know, where we saw Priest in in that small of setting, uh, you can only do so much. Uh, I'm I'm all about the set list because I know the people playing can perform and can do the music justice. Give me a set list like what we saw. And, and 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 expand on it even more and make it even more uh, eccentric. Oh, I'm, I'm I'm fucking there, you know. Fucking all about it. Judas Priest. Judas Priest. What Iron Maiden wishes they were. Yeah, of course. Uh, well, I don't know about that because they're making much more money. But what what they did used to wish they were. Look at the back of the first Maiden album cover. That right. says it all. And. Uh, you know, something I really hate talking about, but this has to be brought up because we're talking about Judas Priest. Um, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. They oh. nom- nominated them again 
uh, I'm part of a Judas Priest page. Well, you know, on on Facebook, and and it really does sicken me how everybody, oh, vote for them, vote for them. One guy was like, you know, hey man, telling me off, going, hey man, Rob Halford wants to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, so you should respect that and vote. And I said, you know what? I'm sure Rob Halford will forgive me when I buy albums, tickets, merch. He'll overlook that. Yeah. And I'll tell you something. If Rob Hoffer was to say, hey, look, I know you're not gay, but come on, come out to that gay pride parade. I'll be there for Rob Hoffer, but I will not for Rob Hoffer vote for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Now, another thing that really pisses me off, too, is that a lot of people think, well, if you induct them, you're going to have KK and Les Binks because uh, finally they got something right. They inducted them as well. So, right. you know, Les Binks and, and KK will be there. So people are like, and if that happens, they're all going to play together. Uh-uh. That doesn't, you know, you can't trust the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame of who's going to perform. You oh, know? yeah. Yeah, look at Van Halen, for Christ's yeah, sake. Van Halen. <laughs> look at um, uh, Kiss. Who? Kiss. Who? They said, uh, this band from the 70s, they said if they uh, didn't have the original lineup, they can't go up there. You right. know, and they didn't induct Eric Carr. Well, well, one thing, uh, I mean, yeah, the Hall of Fame is a fucking joke. But, you know, here's another thing, because we always go off on a side tangent. Uh, there was this big uproar about Motorhead finally being nominated. But it was only going to be the original three. Uh, but uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame has since changed their stance and said now that if Motorhead goes in, uh, they're going to have Phil Campbell and Mickey D. Will will be part of it, you know. But what about Wurzel? Yeah, yeah, you know? Wurzel, man. You know, Wurzel, but, but, Wurzel was in there longer than uh, than than Fast Eddie. But I, I got I gotta say, I'm a, I'm I'm of two minds on this because one part of me is like, I'm glad that there was enough uproar that they, you know, these elitist fucking pricks, you know, went back and said, okay, we'll we'll let Phil Campbell. And Mickey D in there, who fully deserve, you know, if there was, you know, such a thing that mattered to be there. But at the same time, it's still the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I don't care if Jan Winter stepped down. It's still some elitist bullshit. And and here's the whole thing. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is hurting so bad for visitors, for attention. I mean, look, look at this whole, you know, when it first started up, there, there was no fan vote, you know. And, and when I saw the fan vote... You know who was beating Judas Priest, Motorhead, and Iron Maiden? Was Molas. Was uh, Motley fucking Crew. Motley Crew wasn't inducted though. I mean, nominated. No, no, but I saw I saw there was a fan vote. Oh, okay. This is no, a fan, well, well, this is a fan thing. And Motley Crew were beating them. And you know who else was in the fan vote? Blink one eighty two. Well, just, yeah, no, just gonna, let that fucking set well, in your in your mind that more people were voting for Blink One Eighty Two than Priest, Maiden, and Motorhead. Well, and let, that, let me let me bring something up that makes those fans look like just as stupid as all the fans that are actually voting now. This shows you the mentality of people that care about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I looked at the latest poll. This is the fan poll. You know who's beating Motorhead? Ooh. Whitney Houston. Yeah. That's the fans voting. Okay? That's just my point. Seriously, anybody that voted, you know, you, you might as well go up to Eddie Van Halen and say, hey, can you take a picture with this tool stage behind me? Yeah. Idiot. 
Fuck you. I don't care. Stop listening to us. Unsubscribe. Anybody that cares about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, horrible. It's 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 just despicable. Who do do you do you need to belong that fucking? But do you need that validation uh, for your years of being a fan? And and do you need that to justify your love of a certain band? To have people who don't even care about them say, "Okay, we don't really want them in here," but okay, you know, I, I you know who else is up for this year? Notorious B.I.G. Yeah, I know. What the fuck does that have to do with it? That, I mean, Jesus Christ. You know, but Waylon Jennings on it isn't on there, but that's okay. But goddamn, you gotta let Notorious B.I.G. in there, well, or you're racist. I don't, I don't, I see Notorious B.I.G. and I think, yeah, so, <laughs> you know, Madonna's in there. ABBA, you know how much I love ABBA. They're in there. What the fuck? I'm even against. I'm like, ABBA is not rock and roll. That's insulting me as an ABBA fan for putting them in there. But it insults me more to put Bon Scott in there, too. And Lemmy. And let me tell you something. Lemmy would be rolling in his grave because he fought the institution all his life. And you know how many times Lemmy turned down original, uh, well, not original, but, you know, the the classic lineup. Right. Uh, Because he had a lot of dedication to Phil and Mickey. Can you imagine how he... How what? Can you imagine if Lemmy is alive and they they pulled that shit? He would have pulled the Johnny Rotten on them. Oh but yeah. Fuck you and your fucking Hall of Fame. Yeah, because unlike you people who care about Lemmy had balls, and 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 you know he stood for something. Yeah, he was against the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He totally was. He was against institutions. He was the shit, man. And he was very dedicated to the last lineup. And he refused, and you know they must have offered him big bucks for like, you know, a one-off appearance at Whack and probably a couple million. But he wouldn't do it. He was too dedicated to Phil and Mickey. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking. Yeah, and and then and that just shows the more cluelessness. I have more respect for the Grammy Awards because at least they're stupid, and I don't like making fun of retards. But Rock and Roll Hall of Fame knows exactly what they're doing. They know Motorhead, Led Zeppelin, Black Sabbath, all those bands they hate. But hey, it'll bring more people to our uh, ceremonies because, you know, after the Beatles and the Stones and the Eagles and and I don't know who else could fill a place. Uh, I mean, before it's all said and done, Godsmack is going to be in the fucking Rock and Roll of Fame, you know? Uh, I don't know about that because they still got to be somewhat relevant in 25 years. They're going to be known as uh, Hootie and the Blowfish. What's happening is they're 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 going to start running out of people that that the establishment deems worthy, and then it's all it's it's all going to be about people voting and the fans, and it's going to be like we'll put whoever in if you come see this fucking you know uh, this sideshow, you know if you come to our fucking uh, you know amusement park. You know, it's going to be whatever it is. Yeah, but but in 25 years when Godsmack is eligible, they're only going to get five votes, and that's from the band members. Right. You know, nobody's going to care by then. And it's like holding the blowfish. I mean, nobody sold more than them back then. You think they're ever going to be in there? Oh, the, 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 I think they, they were on the ballot or some shit. I don't know, man. It, it's something well, like that. I mean, Dave Matthews Band is up there this year, I think. The only legitimate artist that I would give 100% to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame 
Millie Vanilli. Because they encompass everything that's about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It's fake, phony bullshit. You're they, right. I'd vote for them. If they put Millie Vanilli on that ballot, I'd be on there every day voting. Let them in, let them in, let them in. Make your and, place real legitimate. Put in Millie Vanilli. And fuck, what's Ashley Simpson, too? I, I mean, fuck it. I want to see Steel Panther in there before Motley Crue, goddammit. Oh, and speaking of which, you want to go into that? I've gotten yeah. I've gotten over ten million ten thousand views already about this. Oh, okay, because you probably know a whole lot more than me because I've I've seen uh, headlines, but I haven't even read them because I could give a shit less. I did but. something on YouTube that I know Steel Panther saw for sure, okay, for cool. sure, for sure, for sure. And, and and I love Steel Panther. So, oh, so me too, me too. Um, not too crazy about that new album though. Yeah, what I what I heard, I'm kind of like, eh, but yeah, I, I'm like. I've, eh? But anyway, um, Nikki Six got upset because Michael Starr said in an interview that if he can bring anybody back from the dead, it would be Vince Neil. Now, which is funny. It's it's, funny. It's funny, but it also can mean two different things. It can mean, you know, Vince Neil now is too overweight or Vince Neil now, you know, can barely sing. Which, you know, I mean, both contribute to each other. But... He didn't flat out say Vince Neil's fat. So I, the second I saw that, I had to make a video, and this video's gotten many, many hits. And in my video, I said, you know, the first time I saw this reaction from Nikki Six, I could not help but remember the 1994 interview. Oh yeah, I remember that. And when I put that up. Two days later, Steel Panther put it up, and you can tell they got it from my video because they edited it perfectly, me uh, coming in and out. They edited it perfectly because I know I looked at mine again, and I go, yeah, they didn't get this from the original source. They got this from my channel. So it's an interview where Vince Neil had a recent uh, jet skiing accident. Right, and, and Mick, Mick Mars made fun about did the coral get hurt. You yeah. Know? Yeah, I remember that. And then Nikki said... Well, when 300 pounds of blubber hit, you know, a coral reef, a lot of dust will be flying. Now, you tell me, what's more offensive, alluding to it or just flat out saying 300 pounds of blubber? You know, fuck Nikki Six, dude. And 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 he and, and the thing is, it's a joke. You know, they, look, I love Steel Panther just like you, Ian. But I I got to tell you one complaint I have about about Steel Panther. I don't think they're funny in interviews. I think they're kind of blocked. Live, they're hilarious. They're fucking funny. They have that little gimmick shit between between songs that are just fucking funny. But I don't know. In interviews, I don't I don't find them funny. And I, don't, even, I, I, I don't watch it. I have never seen any of their interviews. So yeah, their interviews are not worth watching. And and uh, you know that that Michael Starr quote was not even that funny. You know what I mean? But you know he meant it as a joke. Because, you know, even the drummer right. said, you know, when he said, oh, I want to bring Vince Neil, because they asked him, who do you want back from the dead? Oh, I want Vince Neil back. And the drummer looks at him and goes, Vince Neil's not dead. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean it's, it's, it's a whole shtick. You know what but, I mean? You know, and, and the funny thing is, if you listen to Steel Panther, you know how much they love Motley Crue. And they have an affection for that era of music. So, you know, it was, it was said with a wink and a smile, but... You know, like anybody who watches Blabbermouth, all you see is uh, Vince Neil performs Motley Crue classics at Ribfest. 
you know, uh, 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 Vince Neil performs Molly Crew classics at the opening of a new uh, Subaru dealership. You, you know, and it, it's sad, you know, because Vince is out there looking very bad, sounding bad, and, you know, playing songs from a band he used to be in. There's no new Vince Neil music, you know. So to me, it, it was a very funny joke, but it was also given, you know, a, a, a wink and a smile to who you love. But at the same time, going, oh, fuck, you know, look at the sad shape we're in right now. And, and I also want to add that this happened many years ago. You know, Tommy Lee has been vocal about how much he hates them as well. Um, Steel Panther said, you know, they did play a show. It was, um, oh, who was it? It was Motley Crue, Steel Panther, and Def Leppard. And um, they said that Vince Neil was the only cool guy. You know, in the band, they they didn't really say nothing about Mick, but we all know through the media, Tommy and Nikki hate Steel Panther. Vince Neil joined them on stage, uh, which is which shows you. Look, this is my point why I think Steel Panther is hilarious on stage. When they brought Vince Neil out, uh, Russ Parrish is like, well, Satchel, I mean, he goes, "We got somebody here. Let me tell you something, man. The greatest band ever, ever, without a doubt." Is Led Zeppelin, but man, Motley Crue, man. And then Michael Starr goes, <laughs> Michael Starr goes, yeah, Motley Crue, but you know, we still got those Led Zeppelin albums. He goes, no, 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 believe me, Led Zeppelin is the best band, <laughs> you know. And then Vince walks up and he goes, fuck you guys. <laughs> That's and he, awesome. And he performed Live Wire with them, you know. He was having a lot of fun. So they said it. Vince Neil's, and you know this joke that they made about Vince Neil. Vince Neil don't give a fuck. Why should you give a fuck, Mickey Six? Don't yeah. pretend you're like, you know, all for one, one for all. You know what I mean? I, I mean, all, all you got to do is look at Vince Neil, and it's obvious he doesn't give a fuck about anything. No, any, about anything. About his any, nothing. Yeah, nothing. And nothing. Vince Neil would not be in Motley Crue today if fucking the '94 album sold 10 million copies. Oh yeah, no that's way. the only reason they brought him back was right. because record company and this is well documented shit they even yeah. talked about it in the, in the dirt the yeah, record I, company said we're not going to release anything unless you get Vince Neil. yeah but I, I mean even I mean look how they changed in the dirt like it was some heartfelt thing where they all felt bad because his daughter well, died that well, that's, wasn't, the, that's it, the movie the book you know, didn't even do that shit you know but I, I mean the real life it was like they all needed each other to pay their fucking rent you know and it's just Look, man, I'm still going to love Too Fast, Shout, and the 94 album, but seriously, uh, everything else they've done, a track or two on an album, but Motley Crue is extremely overrated. I mean, very, very overrated. I am looking forward, though, speaking of Motley Crue, uh, Mick Mars said his album's going to be heavy as fuck, so I was was dreading a blues album. But no, he's gonna make a real heavy yeah. album, so I'm looking forward to that. Well, we'll see when it comes out if it ever comes out. Well, now it's he, he is working hard on it, so looks okay. like it looks like there's a light at the end of the time. Yeah, he's he's working hard at seeing the sun come up tomorrow. I don't, I don't know how much about the album, but uh, no. here's a story that I, I I know you had to laugh at because I know how much you hate this guy. But uh, Machine Heads, Rob Flynn came under a lot of attack over the new uh, Machine Head track. Did you see this song? Did you hear the song? 
Oh my god. Let me tell let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. I I am a machine head fan. I'm I'm not I, I, I think they made some shitty albums. I think they I'm made sorry. some really, I I think they made some really good albums. Uh you know, and, and I'm I'm friends with uh with with Chris Contos who's playing with them now, doing the anniversary tour uh, for Burn My Eyes, which I, I love. Burn My Eyes, I think it's an amazing album. I love I'm it. Sorry, I still stand by it. But this new track, Do or Die, oof. And I, I remember seeing the guy who they got to play drums on it now because I kind of thought, at first, I thought Chris Contos and Logan Madler. We're gonna be back in the band like full time, but as it turns out, they just come out on this new tour to play the Burn My Eyes stuff. That that he's building a whole new band uh, with other musicians, which in this day and age makes sense because he's not gonna have to pay them what he would have to pay the original guys, and he can get a lot more piece of the pie. But anyway, the guy who did the drumming on the new song is part of the new lineup. And he's like, oh my god, this is the heaviest thing Machine Head ever did. And I was like, well, boy, that's that's some good damage control after that last horrible album they put out, which was really bad, that Catharsis or whatever. Oh my god, was that shit bad. That makes Burning Red sound like fucking uh, physical graffiti. But uh, So I'm excited about the new song, and I hear it. And not only is it just like... Just like done a thousand times over musically but lyrically it's about one of the dumbest songs I've ever ever fucking heard and uh, so he's getting a lot of shit on on social media about it and in my opinion rightfully so because it's a horrible horrible fucking song but people were uh, pointing out that it's a copy of a song by the band Dope who I I think was a, a really shitty new metal band uh, really horrible. I think I saw him once. Just atrocious. Uh, but anyway, they're like, you're kind of ripping off this dope song with your lyrics and everything. And then Rob Flint comes out and says all this shit like, oh, fuck you, fuck the haters. And he's like, oh, by the way, who the fuck listens to dope anyway? But then the, uh, the dude from dope is like, hey, I thought we were friends. We toured together. Uh, I've got nothing against Machine Head. I think you're a great band. But uh, let's go on Spotify and who's got more downloads. And Dope actually had more downloads than fucking Machine Head. Uh, yeah, I which, saw that. Which I, I, I thought was fucking hilarious. And it's, uh, boy, I, I mean, just every time you think Rob Flynn can't dig the ditch any fucking deeper, man. I mean, he just keeps going deeper. I, I still think he's an amazing guitar player. Uh, I think he's great. He can write some great riffs. He can do some good songs, but his head is so far up his fucking ass. God damn. I mean, if he was any more of a fucking douche, his name would be uh, James Kotek. Oh, no, no. I got to say, James Kotek is more douchier. But let me say this. The funniest part of that whole article of him bitching and having a fucking uh, PMS syndrome about the whole, you know, people bashing on his lyrics... Right. If you look into that whole thing, he starts bashing on Pantera lyrics, on well, other uh, other bands. Well, I, I I didn't see that. I mean, maybe we interpret it different. I didn't see it as a bash. Oh, I did. thought he. Oh, okay. So you saw it as a dig. I well, thought he was he saying said, he said like 
Oh, I forgot. For you know, it's just I don't remember who he named, but he said something to the effect of Shakespearean lyrics, like you know, it was supposed right. to, be, you know, right, right. But he he mentioned Pantera and he mentioned Lamb of God, and 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 the the lyrics that he mentioned, I mean, you know, it wasn't fucking Dylan esque, uh, but I, I mean, you gotta hear the songs that he mentioned were a perfect mix of the music and the lyrics that inside that that. You know, like when you hear that and you're in the pit, you're going fucking nuts. Uh, but I, I thought he showed a little bit of love, which I thought was odd that he showed love to Pantera after all the shit he said about Phil and Um But uh, God damn, what a fucking douchebag, though, man. And I, I feel bad. Uh, you know, I, I you know, like I'm, I'm happy for for uh, uh, Contos, you know, because he's a cool dude. I've I've been talking to him on Facebook for years. And he's a he's a really good drummer, and I was happy to see him go out with Machine Head again. You know, because for him that's a big, you know, you know he's gonna make some coin off of that, hopefully, you know, and getting his name out there again. But goddamn, to have to be in line with this asshole, holy shit! Like, like I don't know who's worse right now, Rob Flynn or James Kotek. I'm gonna have to give the edge to Kotek. Woo! Wow. Boy, yeah. So, so anyway, machine. And you know, and you know, I can't stand Rob Flynn, and I'm still going to give the the thing to Kotek. Oh my God, this is what Kotek did. I mean, might as well go to the next door. Everybody knows, you know, Rob Flynn's a douche. Uh, Kotek, man, where he said he's sick of seeing commercials having interracial couples. <laughs> it makes like, me. It makes me think if he wasn't like sloshed out of his brain when he wrote that. Like, I know it's it's supposedly he's supposed to be on the wagon now, but it, yeah, it, right. It, it's like, wow. I, I I mean I mean nothing really shows like you know your your racism, you know, than bringing up something like that. You know what you should be more offended of is that you're the drummer in fucking Kingdom Come. <laughs> yeah. You know, that 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 should be what turns people's heads. Like, really. Really? How old are you? And you're you're the drummer in Kingdom Come. I heard he got let go of um, Scorpions because he said uh, Kraut should never uh, mix with white women. Yeah, yeah, he didn't say that shit. You know, he didn't say nothing about the master race when he was in the fucking Scorpions. Well, I think he did. That's why he's out. <laughs> well, I, I, I mean, I know we're we're joking, but pretty much, I mean, he was let go because of alcoholism and and his inability to tour. Well, can you imagine he got sloshed like that day he got on Twitter and he's around the Scorpions, like talking about like, yeah, you know what? Hitler did have a good idea there. Right, right. Which basically he's probably about a week away from doing. Yeah. I I felt guilty touring with people that don't want to be Nazis and they're from Germany. What's up with that? Yeah, I mean, it's it's just sad. It's just sad, you know, and it's one of those things that's like, uh, <laughs> it's a little. I gotta say, it's a little bit easier for me to give up on this guy because, like, I can't stand Ted Nugent or anything he stands for. But goddamn, I like his music. Boy, it's really can't say, can't say that about Kotek. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's real easy for me to kick him to the fucking it's, curb. It's a double whammy with that guy. You never wrote Snow Stranglehold, you son of a bitch. You know. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's got, you know, yeah. you know, he, he was married or probably still married to Tommy Lee's sister. Can you imagine? Uh, I, I, I think she finally left him. Thank God. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, and sure. if if you follow that situation, he was 
he was just a monster to her and, and, and their children and their family. I mean, this guy is just a lifelong fucking douchebag. Can you uh, imagine when he found out Nikki was dating Vanity? Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's probably why I went home and beat fucking uh, uh, whatever the fuck her name is. Uh, Tom, uh, Tammy Lee. No, I don't know. Yeah, Thea or something. She's got a she got a weird name. She's God, a drummer. Kid. She's a drummer too. Oh yeah, she was so hot too. She yeah. was so hot. I mean, she's yep. still she's still amazing looking for age. I think she's a cancer survivor, and uh, and, and she's still hot as shit. And she's a good drummer by all rights too. She's probably better than his fucking ass. I wonder if she's as well hung as Tommy. <laughs> oh, here here's a cool tour. Unfortunately, not coming towards me. Uh, Alice Cooper and Lita Ford. I'd go see that shit. Oh man, well that that's something I w- I will say to anybody. I, I mean, this should go without saying. If Alice Cooper comes by you, go see him. Uh, you know, I, I the last two times I saw him was opening up for Motley Crue on their farewell tour. And he just wiped the fucking stage with her ass both times. Performance-wise. Uh, oh, uh, and song-wise. I mean, no, Jesus I'm saying, Christ. well, that's uh, what I... Oh, come on, hey, Ian, the fuck? What do you right. think? I like Motley Crue songs more than Alice Cooper songs? But, right, right, but, but I, what I'm saying... Don't insult me. I, I, mean, I, mean, I mean, total package-wise, he I'm wiped talk, her ass I'm with it. I'm talking about... Motley had that stage show that was unbelievable. Oh, oh, yeah, I mean, the fire and everything was great, but... The, the, the stage show, the way Alice still performs, the way he still sounds, and with a song catalog that will fucking kill anything well, Motley well, Crue. Well, never mind Motley Crue. Dude, you know how badass Alice Cooper is? And I think he went to that show. Dude, they weren't worse than Alice Cooper, but let me tell you something. It was a, it was a draw. It was when he opened for Heaven and Hell. I, uh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. We were at that show in... Uh, Sunrise. Yeah, Sunrise. Yeah, and, it was. Uh, you can't quick. say you can't say one was better than the other. They were both just amazing. Oh yeah, yeah. That was uh, Queensrÿche, Alice Cooper, and Heaven and Hell. Queensrÿche sucked. Yeah, I forgot. I forgot. Yeah, that's when Queensrÿche was uh, touring for that cover album. And they brought out and Jeff came out with a saxophone. Not a good idea when I'm around. Yeah. Yeah. No, I dude, I forgot all about that show. Yeah, yep. shit, I, I totally Alice, out, and, and that was the only time I ever saw Alice hung. It was always the guillotine. He finally brought yeah. the, uh, uh, the, the noose out. Yeah, man, I totally forgot about that show. It's crazy how many how many shows you and me were at before we knew each other. Yeah, but I'm not like all liquored up on vodka shows, so I can understand how you forgot. Oh, man, uh, that was straight up beer that I couldn't afford vodka. All right. Well, uh, let's see. Isn't vodka cheaper? Uh, well, not if you're at a show. Oh, uh, not at all. It is if you're Lee Gershman. Yeah. No. I'm I mean, sorry. I mean, I'm sorry. I meant Lee Gershman. <laughs> I mean, like, like I, I had that thought today because I'm sitting there, I'm looking at my wallet, and I know we're gonna record. I'm like, uh, do I buy like a jug of like really cheap vodka or a 12 pack of beer? But I, 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 I was in a beer mood today because I have to go. I have to finally go back to work tomorrow. I but hate I, when you're on vodka, actually. Tell you oh, okay. Honestly, well, I, I don't hate you. I hate editing when you're on vodka. Right. That's a better way of saying. It. Right. Well, you, you know what? Uh, what are you gonna do? What are you? No, gonna do? Uh, I, I know. I, I know. I, today, what I'm gonna do? Some good ass easy editing. <laughs> 
shit. All right. Well, I'm looking through, and it looks like uh, looks like we've pretty much gone through the fucking news here. Right on. I also want to give out a shout to our good friend Charlie Hill, and oh yeah, and Daniela, who I may be going to King Diamond with. Um, they just saw Cheap Trick. They did the whole meet and greet. I saw the pictures, man. That and, was awesome. And I'm a little upset because I decided not to go because I'm sick of seeing Cheap Trick open for bands. Oh, so, that's opening for ZZ Top, right? Yeah, so I was like, I don't want to see an abbreviated set. Well, that night they played on top of the world and downed. And oh. look out. And look oh. out. Three really... Oh. The last time I saw Cheap Trick, they did do... Uh, look out, which was I haven't seen them do that since '79. Um, down to I haven't seen them do since 1996. I and I, I think I saw them do down the last time I saw them. Well, the thing is that uh, Cheap Trick, which I highly suggest if anybody can see it, the interview they did with Dan Rather was amazing. And what Cheap Trick does at every show. They look out in the audience during opening band, and then they then they think of the set list. So they probably looked at your audience when you were there going, and they probably saw you and they go, look at that drunk guy, let's play down yeah. for him. Yeah. You know? So that's probably why they played down that night. Yeah. So, man, and Top of the World, I last time I saw him do Top of the World was like 2005. So knowing they did those songs and look out, I, I was, man, I would have went. And they did also You Got It Going On from the last album, which I've never seen them play, and I love that song. It was a good set list. You know? I, I, need to, I need to check out the last two studio albums. I haven't really like listened to them like, all the way through. Last I, one, last one, eh. But the one I, before, I like a lot. I, I, that, that Bowie song that they did, I mean, I know it's not a Bowie song, but What's, to me it sounded very Bowie-esque. Uh, if if I live tomorrow or whatever, oh, that's a great, that's a good album, man. Oh man, that that song. But but honestly, I don't think I've listened to that album all the way through yet. That just, album's just... really good. Yeah, a couple of fillers, but the last one, um, I gotta tell you, man. You're you little... Oh no, I was disappointed. Uh, I mean, it's not terrible, but man, there's so yeah, many fillers. But but I remember you felt that way about what what's someone you changed your mind on, like Rockford. Rockford, I yeah. love that album now. See see, I I that's one album I listened to one way. One time all the way through, and I was like, nope. And yeah, I haven't gone I, back to. I listened to it more than one way. You know, the first time I heard Rockford, I thought, this ain't doing nothing for me. And I hear hooks. I yeah. like the way this album sounds, but it's doing nothing for me. And I kept giving it chances because of that. But right. now that I do Cheap Trick reviews, what I do is I listen to an album a full month every single day. Yeah. And it, it, there's well, still a couple songs I don't like, but man, it's a great album. That's why when we do the reviews, man, I, I there's almost nothing that I listen to just once, because not everything hits you on the first like, like. The only time I listen to it once is if I just can't make it through another turn, like you know, like Bohemoth and shit like that. Like I, I can't do this shit again. But but other bands that that, that maybe I already like or I'm kind of on the fence, I I have to listen to more than once to really be objective. Because, you know, shit happens, shit changes. But, uh, you know, something we haven't done uh, in forever because of, uh, you know, the style of shows we've been doing. I know we did the, the Judas Priest discography and all that shit. Uh, we got to get back to pick of the week and fan of the week. So do you have a pick of the week this week? 
Yes. Um, the new album from Enforcer, it's called Zenith. And it's awesome. But I, I recommend every Enforcer album. But that, the new one is really good. Awesome. Okay, well, I have two picks of the week. And, uh, and my first pick of the week uh, honors the, the, the awesome, awesome interview. And I, I was very humbled and taken back uh, to interview Johnny Z. And I just want to say once again, uh, you know, uh, thank thank you to Ralph for setting up, and thank you for the guys behind the scenes. Uh, as, as much as I hate to say this, uh, but I heard uh, that that horrible douche from uh, that other show helped you. Can, can I say no? His name? No, oh, he did. Okay. Oh, 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 Michael Bramble. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, here's the funny story behind this all. Uh, Michael Branvold uh, interviewed him, and then he gave me a link to Metal Maria, the infamous Metal Maria. And I totally forgot about it, that he gave me that shit. And then um, Toomey uh, got a hold of me because I said something about it. He goes, hey, you want to interview him? Uh, get a hold of this person. Right. Now, I this person's name was Denise. Right. And very nice and set it up. And then... Uh, you know, then uh, Michael said something to affect, oh, you got the interview. And I go, oh, man, I forgot you told me. Uh, yeah. But but I got a hold of Denise. And he's like, Denise, I dealt with Metal Maria. I was like, oh, either way, I got the interview, you know. And yeah. he, he's a douche, but he's an all right guy. I, I like but, Michael. But, uh, you know, I got to give credit where credit's due because it was it was a great opportunity for, for a show like ours where we don't get to interview a lot of people like other podcasts do. Uh, so thank you to Bramble and very much thank you to my man Josh Toomey who I love so much and been part of you know been lucky to be part of his show a couple times we gotta get Toomey on here uh, Toomey definitely deserves to be on the Rock and Metal Combat podcast or maybe he doesn't <laughs> maybe he's too good for this show but he when is I, the when I thanked Toomey I said dude thank you so much and you know thank you for hooking me up for the interview and just to let you know if you want Ian on your show don't hesitate. Just hit me up, and I'll get you on his show. I'll get Ian on your show. Just hit me up. But uh, no, I I, I love Toomey, man. He, he's a great dude and a great friend, great supporter of the show. We got to get him on here. But I want to thank those guys uh, for this. So so part of my two point uh, two part uh, pick of the weeks. I got to go Megaforce, man. I got to go Megaforce. And now we talked about in our interview. S.O.D., man. Hell yeah! What a groundbreaking Star album. Stormtroopers. And, and, and I, I would like to think in a perfect world that everybody who's listened to this show uh, knows this album, loves this album, knows it like the back of their hand. But there might be somebody listening that doesn't know, man. Check it out. And I, I just well, love hearing... Well, check I, I, it out. Check it out if you're not a millennial or else you won't like it. Right, but but you know, or maybe even people who like back in the day they listened to it, but haven't heard it in a long time, and and just hearing uh, you know Johnny Z's enthusiasm about this album, the way he talked about it, uh, made me so happy, and it reminded me of when I first heard it, and it scared the living shit out of me, because I actually heard Stormtroopers of Death before I heard Anthrax, and because I heard Stormtroopers of Death like right when it came out, and I'm like, holy fucking shit, I mean. And I didn't talk about that in the interview, but I was like, holy fuck, what is this? Uh, so that's definitely a pick of the week. And, and a thank you to Johnny Z 
and everybody who made this possible. Uh, my second pick of the week, I know I, I know Ralph's going to hate it, but I, I just got done listening to it uh, before we started recording, and that is the new anniversary edition of Stone Temple Pilots' second album, Purple. Is that uh, the one with Vaseline? Yes. I like that song. See, that's the only yeah. song I like from yeah. it. So there, there, I like a tune off it. And, and, and uh, they did a really good job. There's uh, some demos, there's acoustic shit, and there's a full concert from uh, 1994 in, uh, I believe, New Haven, Connecticut, uh, that's included on that. And it sounds really good. They did a really good job. I am a huge, huge uh, Stunt Temple Pilots fan. I'm and, sorry. Uh, yeah. And I, I really enjoyed, you know, they, they did a really nice uh, anniversary edition for Core. Uh, the, the one for Purple is amazing. I can't wait for the one for Tiny Music because I'm a huge fan of that album. I'm sorry. Uh, but uh, but I, I recommend Storm. You couldn't go more polar opposites than Stone Temple Pilots and Stormtroopers of Death. But they both start with an S and fucking A. Yeah, uh, it's pretty much like a filet mignon with a dog shit. Right. But uh, yeah, hey, I'm glad you agree there, Ian. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, now now we got to go into fan of the week and. Uh, and uh, fan of the week, I'm going a little off topic here. This is probably somebody who's never heard our show. That, that, how can we make them fan of the week if they never heard us? Come uh, on. Fuck it, that shit. Let's give it to the guy. You know my buddy with RMACP uh, in his name. We got to give it to him. You know who I'm, I'm talking oh, about. Oh, Eric. Yeah, yeah. Let's Eric, give no, it to him. Guy who runs around Facebook promoting us every day. He posts something. And, and, I, and I know Eric, and, and Eric has been a fan of the week, but uh, maybe this week is a little bit personal to me because of shit I've been going on, uh, you know, in my private life. You know, oh, okay, you know, okay, okay, with, okay. With, I, with, I'm with, sorry, I didn't know. With with you know my mother's illness and everything, I would like to dedicate this show uh, to somebody who's probably never going to hear it, and that's Mr. Frankie Vinali. Uh, you know, we we talked we talked about earlier. Uh, the struggle that Frankie has, you know, I mean, he, this guy is a guy behind the fucking eight ball, man. Like, chances aren't good, but this is a guy, regardless what you think about Quiet Riot, you know, or anything like that, this guy is not only an amazing drummer who's played on multiple albums, not just Quiet Riot, but with Wasp, like I said, Hughes and Thrall and all this other shit. He's an amazing drummer, and more importantly, Ralph and I have both met him on separate occasions and I tell you what this guy was nice as hell took time and was just a good fucking decent human being and for all he's done for fucking metal and remember kids you know if it wasn't for quiet riot and fucking metal health you wouldn't have had all this shit in the fucking 80s being on MTV and top of the charts and shit like that these guys broke the boundaries Frank Vinali was a big part of that so I would like to make Frank Vinali, even though you're never going to hear this, I would love to make you fan of the week for all you've done for hard rock and heavy metal. Lord of the week, Eric. Uh, Eric is found. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> and Eric too, man. Eric, you fucking rule. But, I gotta uh, say too, man, and I'm very happy I did this. Um, I made a video when the singer left the band. The album's done. Now he's leaving the band. Oh, I made yeah. a video about it on YouTube, and throughout the video. All I did was praise Frankie and say how what a good guy he is. 
You know, I didn't say, oh, Frankie, why, you know, you're killing, a, you're beating a dead horse. Where on the contrary, the comments like I was everybody bashing Frankie. I'm glad in my video, all I said was positive things and not one discouraging thing, even about him continuing Quiet Riot. I didn't say none of that, you know. And that, you know, look at the, the date on the video and it shows you, you know. I did that maybe a month ago. And, uh, I, I, and I am that way with a lot of people, man. It's like, fuck it, man. If they want to continue doing it, let them continue doing it. Don't don't go see it. No, you Cubans stick together. Well, I didn't go see it. I mean, I saw it once because Eddie Money was on the bill, so I figured I'd go. And and actually, they were really good. And, right. and, and to Eddie Money, I'm raising my beer to Eddie Money. I think he's since the last time we recorded, Eddie Money passed away. Yeah, and I don't think we talked about Rick Ocasek either. Yeah. Oh, and I got to talk to Eddie Money, and it was awesome. Cause I was wearing a Led Zeppelin shirt and he was like, Hey, you know, when they first came here, I saw him at the Fillmore blew my mind. And that's, uh, the extent of our conversation and Eddie money, you know, uh, I think it was $30. You can sit down and talk and take a picture with Eddie money and the money goes to the troops. So there you go. Fuck. Yeah. Eddie money. Yeah. He was cool. As sh I, I met him one time and I went to go get an autograph. He signed a picture of Frankie Vanelli. That was his sense of humor, though, you know. And you know what was cool was when, because Eddie Money headlined that night. The whole time Quiet Riot was on stage, there he was on the side watching. Oh, fucking cool Eddie Money. Yeah, it was so funny. I, I, I got to mention this real quick while we're talking about Eddie Money. Uh, there's a, a Van Halen podcast I listen to. And both the guys uh, on the podcast, they're huge Eddie Money fans. I knew them, interviewed them, and, and did all this shit. And they said they went and saw a show where he, he didn't play, I, I think it was like, you know, two tickets to, it was one of his like most famous songs he didn't play that night. And after the show, he's doing a signing and then and, and somebody brought up like, man, you didn't play fucking two tickets to paradise. He was like, oh shit. And he started, <laughs> he, he started singing an acapella. He sang the whole song acapella while signing because wow. he felt bad. He felt bad that he didn't play it. That's, what, that's awesome. What a fucking stand-up guy, man. What a fucking stand-up guy. Where, you know, James Kotek would be just like, get your black ass out of here. <laughs> <laughs> so so what if we didn't play Get It On, Bang A Gong, or whatever their fucking song was? Get your black ass out of here. <laughs> and take your white girlfriend with you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and on that note, kids, we'll see you next week right back here at the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Smack them a gob. Yeah.